All right, welcome in, everyone. It's another edition of West Virginia Talk with James and Jerry. I'm James. And I'm Jerry. So today we're going to be on location at Pocahontas County. Now, we've done a previous podcast in Pocahontas County. It was the Snowshoe Resort. Right. This one is a totally different type of uh, tourist destination. This is a man-made tourist destination. So we're talking about the National Radio Observatory, the Green Bank Radio Telescope. And, of course, Green Bank is the town that it's near. I think it's called the uh, Robert C. Bird it is Radio a, Telescope. Like everything else in our great state, it is named <laughs> after Robert C. Bird. Lots and lots of things there. So what exactly is a radio telescope? So it's a giant... It looks like uh, the old-style satellite dish, okay? And it is it is huge. So you're talking just a few feet shorter than the Washington Monument and way bigger than the Statue of Liberty. This yeah. thing is almost 500 feet high. That's, and that's 60% taller than the Statue of Liberty. That's huge. Yeah. And, you know, the Statue of Liberty is big enough you can stand in the torch and look out, you know? But uh, the, this thing, it's 485 feet. The actual dish surface is like 110 meters by 100 meters. It's just this massive uh, area that picks up any kind of radio signal from space. So what are they looking for in space? Anything and everything they can find. Right. So a lot of people will think, oh, well, they're looking for extraterrestrial life you know, that is true they some do kind use of that. civilization out there of intelligence and yes they are listening for that but it's more than that they can take sound from space and formulate these unknown or previously unknown entities out there you know um there's this super bubble of hydrogen gas twenty-three thousand light years away twenty-three thousand light years away that's incredible isn't it yeah so uh they found this uh i think it's the second largest neutron star it's four thousand plus light years away so it's not just for locating possible intelligent life in the universe it's to find things that already exist there that we're unaware of until this point right and on top of that they use those radio frequencies to actually map the planets they can make the image of the planet through the radio frequencies. Right. So how how perceptive is this radio telescope? Well, your cell phone, it uses about one watt an hour, okay? It can pick up the energy of something a billionth of a billionth of a billionth of that. Wow. So it, it's... You can't even fathom how powerful this thing is. It can pick up weaker signals than the energy of a single snowflake. <laughs> Incredible. Didn't even know that snowflakes gave off energy, but they do. Well, and, and its accuracy is to two arc seconds, meaning basically it can resolve a quarter three miles away. Wow. That's three miles neat. a quarter. That is a very specific target. Now, get this. This thing is so perceptive that if you took your cell phone and turned it off, turned right. it off, and then put it on the surface of Mars, your phone would be the loudest thing in space. Holy cow. With it turned off. With it turned off. Okay. So, how would this thing even operate with all the 
you know, outside stimuli that of, of daily life of people that live around this very sensitive instrument used for space exploration. Well, there's some pretty strict rules. And honestly, this zone is way, way bigger than you probably think. But it's only enforced in a smaller area. So right. the, the radio-free quiet zone is actually 13,000 square miles, okay? It's about half West Virginia, half Virginia, and just a really tiny speck of Maryland. But just, we'll give them a little credit. Yeah, we'll, well give them a little credit. Well, I'm throwing them in yeah. there. You know, we got to give Maryland, you know, some props too. So they get really strict when you're at the telescope and you walk 13 miles in any direction. Right. That's when all the rules are the strictest. So what kind of rules are we looking at here? We're talking, of course, no cell phone usage. You're not going to be able to use a microwave because it's going to put out a frequency. And that's nuts. A microwave. A microwave. You cannot use a microwave in your own home. Radios. You're not going to be able to use that. Um, the electric doors, like we're used to Like at if you go stores. into Walmart yeah. or Lowe's. Those things are not because it gives off a wireless signal. Yeah, I mean, it would so interfere. drones... Any kind of RC vehicles with an antenna, out. Anything wireless is out. And it gets even stricter than that. Inside this 13-mile radius, you are not allowed to have a gasoline-powered vehicle. It has to be diesel. And I forgot all about that. And why is that? Because spark plugs give off frequency. frequency. And it's enough to disrupt their listening process when they're working. So... Diesel go, glow plugs, they do not give off that free. So it's in, inside that 13-mile radius, you're talking 26 miles across that you cannot have a gas-powered vehicle. That's crazy. Now, this thing is massive. I mentioned earlier it's 100 by 110-meter dish surface, yes. 485 feet. It weighs over 7,000 tons. Yeah, 17 million pounds. Right. Over. It's insane. So the, the interference that people could give off. Uh, now listen, don't picture a place that has no electric. Obviously, there is. They even got internet. They have to have internet. But everything is connected to a wire. Yeah. So you have you can have a phone, but it has to be a old fashioned plug in the wall cord phone. You can't even have a cordless phone if it's a landline. It's got to be the ones with the cords on it and that kind of thing. They are so strict on this, they actually have a full-time employee who has a laptop in his truck with a microphone draped over his rearview mirror. And all he does all day is drive around looking for any Wi-Fi or any uh, electrical interference that they're not allowed to have. Because it's not like these people live there and say, oh, I didn't know. When you live in Green Bank, West Virginia, you have to sign a form that says, I will not use this, 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 or this. And you have to adhere by that. Right. If you want the uh, the distinction of living there, you have to follow these rules. Okay? So you, you would think that people there wouldn't like that kind of thing. Well... It depends on how young you are. Right. The younger generation is definitely not going to be feeling the greatest about being stuck there. No. I wouldn't. Right. Okay. 
Now, I could live without it, but I would prefer not to. But the community that are there, you know, voluntarily, because the kids aren't, you know, you can't choose where you live if you're a kid. Your parents do. But the people that live there, they choose this lifestyle, okay? And and there's there's many facets of preference when it comes to the people who live in this area. Some people like the old way of living where there's no Facebook, there's no cell phones, there's no, you know, social media, blah, 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 blah. They they feel like it takes away from personal interaction, especially with neighbors. And it's true. It's right. true. Um, you know, the people that live across from me, I know their first names, but I can't remember their last name. I've been living I've lived there seventeen years. I cannot remember their last name. Uh, the guy that lives to my left, I know his, I know his name, full name, but his wife's, I, I don't remember. And then the people that live to my right, um, same deal. I remember their first and last names, but I really don't know much about them. The people that live behind us, couldn't tell you who they are. Well, it's like the famous saying, you know, cell phones have taken those who are far away and brought them near and taken those that are near and pushed them far away. Yeah, well, it makes it a smaller... It makes the world smaller, but in other ways it doesn't. Right. It creates these divides. So, you know, it's it's a way of passing time where back a long time ago, talking with neighbors, walking the neighborhood, that that was what you did to pass the time. So this is what they do. You know, this is what they want. Right. You know, I guess the diesel engine thing doesn't bother them, I, I guess. I know diesel fuel is pretty expensive. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, um, you know, reading, books. Actual books, you know. Well, how do these people get their news? How about a newspaper? You know, they actually still sell newspaper that's in a paper <laughs> form. So these people live a lot like we did in the 40s. Right. 40s and 50s. Yeah. And I know microwaves weren't real common in the 50s, but they were still out there. Yeah. So um, it's just a, a totally kind of not off the grid, but in today's society, it's off the grid. Yes. Um and then there's uh, there's another facet of people that want to move to this area because of the, uh, you know, the no cordless electronics and, mm-hmm. and whatever. It is people who have uh, – it's, it's a recognized condition, but they don't claim that it's a real condition, I guess. I know that sounds, you know, uh, like an oxymoron, but this is, this is what it is. There are people in the country, in the world – that suffer from electromagnetic sensitivity. Right. And if you've ever watched the Breaking Bad spinoff, Better Call Saul, you know his brother had this problem. He had no electric in his house. The light got turned off. He wore a solar blanket around his body when he was there. <laughs> you know, uh, just anything that had a- a- electric components to it. If his brother came to visit, he had to leave him in the mailbox. He couldn't come into the house with him. Uh some people believe that it's made up. Some people think it's legit. Um, but there are people moving to this area because they suffer from electromagnetic sensitivity, and they know that if they go and live there, they're not going to have to worry about it because it's against the law. Right. So if you break this law, what what are your punish? What, what's the consequences for this? Hey, your guess is good on mine. Does mine on this one? It depends on the circumstance. The fines could be up to several hundred thousand to a couple million dollars in fines. I guess I could see it. I mean, they're doing research 
not just locally, you know, with the universities and colleges. It's places from all over the world coming here to utilize this system. So I guess it depends on the severity of the project they were working on. Right. This is either a place that you wouldn't, you would never want to visit or live at. And then for others, it is a destination. This is what they want. Well, they say 40,000 people a year come to visit. Yeah, if you can do the math, let me do it real quick. It's about 120 people a day come out and visit. Now, I mean, that might not sound like a lot, but given the location of this uh, Green Bank radio telescope and, and the ways of getting there, it's not real easily accessible. It's not along a major highway. There's a lot of, you know, state, state routes that you have to take to get there. So... I think some people that come to the state, that's what they want to see is the actual country roads they hear about yes. in the song and things like that. For us, we're kind of like, ah, come on, man, it's taking forever. But they, they, you know, they're there for that reason, so it's enjoyable, especially motorcycle enthusiasts. You'll love these roads that get to Green Bank. So I mentioned earlier some of the things that, that, that it has found in space, you know, along with scanning you know the sky for um intelligent uh communication that doesn't belong to earth right things like that they've also found the building blocks of life just floating around in space they would point this thing where they think they would find it and they find these complex molecules like simple sugars just yes. floating in space yep. so just the technology to me is mind blowing um, it is definitely worth your trip wherever you are to come see this thing. Now, this used to be government funded, right? And now it's not. It's still ran by the government, right? But it's but not funded. They are funded three partially. quarters, yeah, three, partially, or yeah, three fourths is funded, or two thirds uh, is funded by the federal. Not and then, like it used to be. No, right. and then the rest is funded by private whether it be like marshall university west virginia university right. virginia tech whoever yeah because i mean you know it's not like the people that work there are the only ones that work there they have scientists from all over the world that come and use this thing absolutely you know what i mean it's not exactly a public friendly place to come visit but as far as uh using it for research and everything like that you know you don't have to work there to come use this thing so it is definitely worth Having, it's definitely worth funding. Well, it's the world's largest. The largest. Fully steerable. Yes, yeah, in man. the world. Uh, when they built it, $95 million in the early 80s. Yeah, and that's in the early 80s. You're talking yeah. 40 years ago. Absolutely. And you know why they built it in the early 80s, don't you? Probably because of the Cold War, maybe? No, the original one broke. Oh, that's right. It collapsed. Yep, it collapsed. And so when it once it collapsed, they got together and I thought maybe decided to build a bigger one. I thought maybe because it was early '80s, it kind of coincided with the ET. <laughs> there, who's <laughs> to know, say it the didn't. Reagan Gorbachev thing? You know, it serves many purposes. Maybe it, it very well could have been used for or with that in mind at the time. It's crazy. <laughs> so there's got to be some amazing facts about this. Green Bank radio telescope that I'm not aware of. What do you, what do you think? What do you got? Well, uh, looking into this thing, because it is an amazing piece of equipment, really, the GBT, so Green Bank's telescope, right. uh, roughly runs 6,500 hours every year. 
that's more than any other observatory out there. Well, from what I was reading, they operate 362 days a year. But when they operate those days, it's 24-7. Yeah, I mean, it's just round-the-clock, nonstop. A matter of fact, for every hour that is available for them to do science testing and observations, three to four hours have been requested by somebody to use it. Right. For every hour used. So they're having to turn away 75% of those wanting to use it popular place because yes because it's such a a unique destination it has unique capabilities that people just don't have the capability of doing you're talking about you're talking about from a scientific standpoint not tourism right yes yes from a scientific standpoint they can do things they can't do anywhere else in the world because it's it's easy to forget yeah it's a tourist destination but it's also functional so you know it has to serve its purpose Aside from people coming to visit it. Right. Um, another quick fact that I found that I thought was very interesting. We talked about how large of a surface area that it was. Mm-hmm. Two acres mm-hmm. worth. Um, two and a half. Yeah, two and a half acres. The GBT is so smooth that now they equate it to the noise level of 260 microns. To make that, I guess, make more sense, you're talking about a height difference of five human hairs placed together. That's the biggest fluctuation across that entire surface. So it's pretty uniform. Five human hairs. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. How do you even check for that? (laughs) It's a pretty large surface. (laughs) To have that smoothness with all those plates is incredible. But they use 2,209 actuators to level the panels. Now, the reason they have to use actuators uh, basically all the time is, of course, as they turn this thing, since it is movable, the weight shifts. Oh, yeah. And that causes disproportion yeah. in, in the in the surface area. And these actuators have to constantly constantly be in motion to keep the surface area smooth. I see. Because so, you have to. I mean, it, this, this thing can't be parallel to the ground all the time. They have to tilt it. Right. But they got to keep that surface flat. I got you. And one of the unique things about <clears throat> the Green Banks Telescope the Robert C. Byrd Telescope, is that it has the arm like you have on your dish TVs. And, of uh, course, it's it's a place that you'd want to see absolutely. in person. Absolutely. And, and I think one of the neat things about this place is the fact that you can show up and just walk around if you want. Yeah. You can give yourself your own self-tour. I wouldn't personally do that. If I'm going there, I'm, I'm going to want to hear from somebody that's very knowledgeable because there's, there is so much neat things going on. Um, you can go in the front door. They have places where you do little hands-on things. Um, they have a tour guide, that a personal tour guide that can walk you through uh, the building itself. And then if, if you feel like it, they do offer multiple things while you're there. They give a bus tour, which... As we said earlier, it's going to be a diesel bus, mm-hmm. not going to be a gas bus. A diesel yeah, bus, right? Uh, it's it's fairly cheap. I think it's only like ten bucks if you want to be driven around the facility and see uh, everything they have because they do have multiple telescopes on the facility. It's not like the yeah, Green I think Bank's there's telescopes eight? is the only one. They, I think they have eight. Yeah, it's eight or nine. One of the two. Yeah. Well, uh, they may have eight additional ones. So they have multiple ones in use all the time. That they'll take you around. You can see all that. They have a Star Lab presentation where you go into 
I believe it's one of their weather balloons. Mm. And, of course, you've got to crawl in. But then they shoot the galaxy up onto the the canvas of the balloon. Kind of gives you that neat feeling like you're almost there. You know, it surrounds you. And I was just thinking about your vehicle. Would you even be allowed to drive your vehicle there? Because you drive an EV. Yeah, well... Be honest with you, I don't know. That'd be something I'd have to look into. But more importantly, I probably wouldn't attempt to anyway, right. just because it is those country roads. And I got a feeling <laughs> charging stations are going to be few and far between. You probably'd have to drive into Harrisonburg first. Yeah, maybe top off. Yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so, if if uh, you know this type of thing spikes your interest, you want to go see this thing. Remember, you will not have cell phone service there. Right. You know, it's it's banned. You will see plenty of pay phones. They'll, they'll still be there. It's one of the few places I know of that still exist where they have pay phones. You will not be able to pick up radio stations, any of that stuff. So Now, you did say, like I said, the, the overall footprint is large. What did we say, 25,000, 35,000 acres, what, 25,000 square For miles? For the radio quad yeah. zone, yeah. 13,000 okay, square 13, miles. 13,000 square miles. But they do work outside with, of a thirteen mile radius. Right. They, yes. They work with the locals to try to allow to, to try to allow as much frequency as possible right. without interfering with the satellite. Or yeah, because you still have to have EMS. Itself. You still have to have police, that kind of thing. Fire. So once again, you want to go see this place. It's the National Radio Observatory, the Robert C. Byrd Radio Telescope in Green Bank, West Virginia. And, you know, the irony of this place is the technology there is the most advanced in the world, but no one has a cell phone. Yeah. (laughs) So, very ironic. Much like many places in our state, there's a lot of irony. So, we hope you enjoyed this episode, the National Radio Observatory. Check us out on Facebook. Send us a message. Check out our post. Um... Or send us an email. Absolutely. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, it is westvirginiatalk at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Once again, I'm James. I'm Jerry. This has been West Virginia Talk at J&J Productions.